Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Checking in about food allergies and introducing allergenic foods. And have you done peanut with your baby yet? Well, intact nuts and thick globs of nut butters like peanut butter are choking hazards for babies, but we want to get that peanut protein into your baby early and often in order to help lower the risk of peanut allergy down the road. My absolute favorite way to introduce peanuts for babies is using the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs. So When you hear puffs, like you're probably like, oh, those starchy little puff things. Like, no, no, no. Not the little ones that earlier eaters can't pick up. Those kind of crappy puffs from the store that have added sugar and refined grains and lots of salt. Uh uh. The Puffworks baby peanut puffs have no added sugar. They have just a smidge of sodium for preservatives, and they are the perfect size for baby led weaning. They're about the size of your adult pinky finger. So, you can, baby can pick them up, self-feed them, but they're so soft that they dissolve in your baby's mouth so you can introduce these peanut puffs even before your baby has teeth. Puffworks also makes a baby almond puff for the safe introduction of a separate allergenic food category. That's tree nuts. And now, finally, Puffworks put out a combo case. So it's half baby peanut and half baby almond. So if you want to grab one case, then you can knock out two new allergenic foods. We do these on different days, though. These are just the no-stress, low-mess way to get peanut and tree nut out of the way. So you can get 15% off everything at puffworks.com when you use the affiliate discount code BLWPOD. That's a new code. It's BLWPOD. Use that sucker at checkout at puffworks.com and get peanut and tree nut safely out of the way. Every product had measurable levels of at least one of the heavy metals, cadmium, arsenic, or lead. About two-thirds of those products, there's a total of 150 tests of 50 different products, had concerned worrisome levels. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby-led weaning. Well, hey there. Today's topic is important, albeit a little dark or heavy, because we're talking about heavy metals in baby food. Now, I know you're listening to a baby-led weaning podcast, so a lot of you are going to be foregoing the purchase and use of traditional or commercial baby foods, like the pouches and increasingly less frequent jars of baby food that have really been a hallmark of infant feeding in the United States and around the world for the better part of the last century. But there are a lot of parents out there listening who, yeah, they endorse a baby-led approach to starting solid foods, but they might also be leaning and relying on the convenience of prepackaged infant and baby foods. And this is things like pouches, but also snacks and cereals, prepared entrees and packaged fruit and vegetable products. So these items line your local grocery store And they promise convenience. They appear to be nutritious, right? They're packed with ingredients and then touting a bunch of claims about all the stuff that they're free from, like all that bad stuff you don't want in your baby's body. But how do we really know what's in these foods that we're about to feed to our little teeny tiny baby? Well, in 2018, 
Consumer Reports published their findings about heavy metals in baby food, and it revealed testing that showed concerning levels of arsenic, cadmium, and lead in many popular baby and toddler foods. So heavy metals problematic because over time, exposure to heavy metals can have harmful effects on health. And for infants in particular, our biggest concern is that those heavy metals negatively impact cognitive development. So these Consumer Reports findings caused quite a stir. This in turn led to 2019 congressional hearings about heavy metals in baby food. From that, the House of Representatives Subcommittee on Economic and Consumer Policy Committee on Oversight and Reform, they published a report with a nasty title. I mean, it's kind of scary. Baby foods are tainted with dangerous levels of arsenic, lead, cadmium, and mercury. That was the name of the report. So fast forward to 2021, when legislation was then introduced as the Baby Food Safety Act of 2021, which proposes to amend in the United States our Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act with the intention of limiting the presence of these toxic elements in and otherwise regulate infant and toddler food for that and other purposes. So when you guys hear about heavy metals in baby food or you hear about the Baby Food Safety Act of 2021, a lot of this discussion stems from the 2018 Consumer Reports findings about heavy metals in baby food. I know from a personal standpoint, like when I'm learning about any issue, I always like to go and cite the source documents and really understand, especially when it's about like baby foods that I recognize, like how did they actually conduct that study and what did they find? And when you read this Consumer Reports findings article, it's pretty shocking. I mean, right up there are the brand names of a lot of products you've seen and would recognize, if not have maybe already purchased and fed to your baby. So I wanted to interview the person who conducted and carried out that particular Consumer Report testing that set off this kind of chain reaction of events that we're now still seeing. The original testing was done on the what at the time was the 50 most popular best-selling baby food items. So my interview guest today is the guy. His name is James E. Rogers. He's the Consumer Reports Director of Food Safety Research and Testing. So Dr. Rogers has a PhD in microbiology and immunology. Prior to his tenure at Consumer Reports, he worked for the FSIS, Food Safety Inspection Service. That's an arm of the United States Department of Agriculture. Dr. Rogers was on the government and regulatory side for about 16 years before going to Consumer Reports in 2016. So he says in this interview that the baby food study was like his first full study at Consumer Reports. And he's going to share the nitty gritty on how the testing was conducted. Like, why did they test the particular baby food products that they did? What did the tests reveal? What was concerning about those results? And then what recommendation does he and the Consumer Reports team of experts have for parents who are considering some of these products to feed their babies? So before we get started, I do just want to say a very special thank you to the Consumer Reports team for making this interview happen. There were definitely a lot of moving parts. I think this is one interview that we probably had to work the hardest to get, but I think it's really, really important to talk to the person who did the test. So certainly a contentious issue, very current, very relevant issue as the Baby Food Safety Act of 2021 slowly winds its way through the legislative process. Um, we'll be following this issue of commercial baby food safety here on the podcast quite thoroughly in the future. So I'm really excited to be able to kick off this area of focus with this particular episode in this interview called Heavy Metals in Baby Food with Dr. James E. Rogers, the Consumer Reports Director of Food Safety Research and Testing. Thank you for having me, and I look forward to talking to you. All right, before we dive in talking about heavy metals in baby food, could you give us a quick introduction? And I'm curious to know, how did you come to be the Consumer Reports 
Director of Food Safety and Research and Testing. And then what do you do on a daily basis in your job? Oh, okay. Well, my uh, resume, if you look at it on LinkedIn or something, it will show you that I've been with uh, Consumer Reports for about five years. I came to Consumer Reports from the Food Safety Inspection Service at the USDA, where I was there for about 16 years. I worked on performance standards. I worked on projects with the Chief Scientist's Office. And then I was in charge of a federal advisory committee for microbiological criteria for foods. My background academically is I'm a food and water microbiologist. I've been working in food and water all my professional life. And prior to coming to uh, the FSIS or the USDA, I was with the Department of Defense, both the Navy and Army, where I built and ran laboratories. So that's kind of my background. And I really wanted to come to Consumer Reports because I was really interested in the consumer side of food and food safety. I'd worked in the federal side, the regulatory side, and I really wanted to try on the consumer side for food safety and try to show consumers at their level where they purchase food, some of the safety issues and some ways to get around them, et cetera. So that's how I got here. So I know the name Consumer Reports kind of says it all, but could you explain in a nutshell, what does Consumer Reports do? Is it publicly funded? Is it a nonprofit? Oh, well, Consumer Reports is a nonprofit organization that tries to empower consumers. And so we do not take advertising revenue. All of our funding comes from donations or gifts, grants that we can write. And we take the resources that we're able to get and actually pay for testing. We do not allow manufacturers to donate stuff. We actually go to the stores and buy the same items that consumers uh, would buy. And so we have a testing arm, and that's where I reside. We also have what we call the content side that writes all the stories for the magazine, for the uh, website. We also do a lot in social media, and we're growing that area too. And then we have advocacy. So once we test things and and figure out if there's, let's say, there's a problem with a particular car or particular food, we actually will advocate at the state and federal level for new regulations, new laws, new rules to try to fix something that might be broken or can be improved. So then consumers, like in my case, will have much safer and more nutritious food as a result of our advocacy work. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. So we're here today to talk about 
it's not a very uplifting topic, but heavy <laughs> metals in baby foods. And it sounds ominous. Could you elaborate on what metals are heavy metals and then why are they detrimental in infancy before we get to like the specifics of which foods we're talking about? Okay. So heavy metals, and in our context, we're talking about lead and cadmium and mercury and arsenic are elements that you can find actually almost anywhere. In the context of food, we're talking about finding these elements in the soil, in the water, sometimes in the air. And because plants will absorb anything that they come in contact with. So if they're growing in the soil, you're irrigating with water that's contaminated with these heavy metals. You're growing the food close to, let's say, a metal plant or a smelting plant. All of those chemicals can get into the soil in the water that you're irrigating with be taken up by the plant themselves, and then it ends up in the parts of the plants that we eat. Is it true? Sometimes parents say, well, I'll just buy organic then to avoid that. But these heavy metals do not discriminate between organic and conventionally grown foods. Is that correct? Well, that's true. Organic is a particular designation. I would love for your listeners to understand that not organic labels are equal. In fact, on the Consumer Reports website, we actually talk about the organic labels and the ones that you can really trust. And organic refers to certain specifications for how you grow crops or raise animals. For crops, it usually refers to that there are only certain pesticides that you use. You can't use any that have any ar arsenic base to them. And in fact, there are very few pesticides you can actually use on organic crops. There are certain fertilizers that you can use. But since there is no specification for testing the soil or testing the water to see if heavy metals are in that to get the organic label, then you can find foods that have the same heavy metals, whether they're organic or not. And so really buying organic really doesn't save you from this particular issue in your food. Why are the heavy metals that you mentioned, lead, cadmium, mercury, arsenic, what are the potential detriments to a developing infant? Studies have shown is that when you expose babies and infants to these heavy metals, a couple of things can happen. There are a number of studies that show that if an infant is raised being exposed to these heavy metals, you can see a drop in IQ points through the life of the child up into adulthood. So that's one. Number two, there are some heavy metals that are associated with certain cancers. In some of the studies, they show an increase in bladder cancer or kidney cancer. And then the third area is behavioral issues. There have actually been some studies that show that children, for instance, that have had long exposures to lead later on in their lives actually have issues with behavior and other developmental problems as they grow up. So that's why um, we find heavy metals is an important thing to study. And Consumer Reports has actually done a number of testing programs for heavy metals in various parts of the, uh, of the food chain. So Dr. Rogers, our audience consists of parents and caregivers of babies who are between six to 12 months of age and making the transition from infant milk to solid foods. So the baby-led weaning approach that we teach and these parents are interested in, it does, for the most part, incorporate use of home-prepared foods. But as parents are still interested in baby food, and I wanted to ask you in particular about the Consumer Reports testing that showed concerning levels of arsenic cadmium, and lead in many popular baby and toddler foods. What were those findings, if you can summarize? So let me quickly set up the testing so your listeners can understand how we did this. So 
basically our questions were, as I said, are the heavy metals there? How much is there? And is it at a level that we should be concerned about? So what we did is buy, based on market research, 50 different products that are the top sellers in their area, which included cereals, snacks, fruits and vegetables, and actually meals and entrees that children eat. We purchased it in the New Jersey, New York area. We got some online. And then we shipped them to a certified lab that is validated for testing for these heavy metals in food. And that's important that you find a lab or that we would find a lab that actually knows what they're doing in testing these materials. And so then using that data, we did something called a risk assessment. And what that does is say, if we find this heavy metal at this concentration in this product, and in some cases, multiple heavy metals in this product at this amount, would a child nor eating a normal meal actually face some issues from heavy metal exposures with this? And so some of the overall findings that we found were that every product had measurable levels of at least one of the heavy metals, cadmium, arsenic, or lead, did not find any mercury. About two-thirds of those products, and it was a total of 150 tests of 50 different products, had what we were concerned worrisome levels. And about 15 of the foods would, would have posed potential health risks to a child regularly eating these products uh, one serving or less per day. In general, snacks, rice-containing foods, and foods that contain sweet potatoes were the most likely to have concerning levels of heavy metals, and that the organic foods were just as likely to have uh, heavy metals as conventional foods, which confirmed what I just mentioned earlier. I thought it was so interesting. I have a couple questions. The lab material that you're using, obviously, it's not just like you can't send it to some lab that has, you know, paid for by General Mills or whatever. It has to be an unbiased location. Do they all go to the same lab or do different labs like one test for lead and one test for arsenic and one test for mercury? My preference as a director is to have all of the tests done in one lab. And so we were lucky, blessed to find one lab that could test for all four heavy metals. And so we sent it to just one lab. For picking the 50 top foods, how did you pick them? Was that based on sales data? Was it just for infant foods? Was it all kids' foods? So what we did is we did uh, set a contract from a marketing firm to actually say, if we wanted to look at the top snacks in this category, what were the top selling snacks in the category? And we did that for all of them, for the entrees, for the fruits and vegetables, et cetera. And so that's how we determine what we call our sampling scheme. It's totally based on sales data. Does the type of food packaging that a baby food comes in have any bearing on its heavy metal content as far as you found out? Like, for example, would pouches for any reason be safer than jars or is the packaging not related to the heavy metal load? Well, we have not seen that specifically for heavy metals. Now, the American Academy of Pediatrics says that they would prefer people that if they are buying baby food or making their own and storing it, that they use glass containers. Number one, um, there's less leaching of anything from the glass into the food. Number two, that stuff is more green, so it's more recyclable. And they want you to avoid such chemicals of like phthalates or BPA or bisphenol A that can leak from plastic, especially if you heat it up, like if you heat the baby food up in the microwave in that plastic material. So they want you to avoid plastics for storing food. Pouches, I have not seen anything reported about pouches other than they're less recyclable. 
in glass and they would tend to end up in the in the landfill if you use them a whole lot. So I don't want to scare parents off of foods like, for example, canned tuna, because fish is one of the big nine allergenic foods. We know there's no benefits to withholding it from a nutritional standpoint. We always say the benefits of feeding a baby fish for the most part outweigh any risks. Is there anything concerning about tuna with regards to mercury? Parents will hear that and then they think, well, when in doubt, leave it out. But if we got to feed baby those foods and you don't have access to a fresh fish market all the time and you're doing canned tuna, is there any concerns about feeding this category of foods to a baby? Well, um, as you just mentioned, the concern is the presence of mercury, which is a, a toxin to children, uh, to adults too, that can be found in tuna. And there's a balancing act that you have here. So there's the nutritional benefits of the omega-3 fatty acids, et cetera, versus does this product have mercury in it? When CR published an article in 2017, there was a concern that there may be mercury levels in canned tuna, both albacore and light, because there's the potential for some mercury spikes or inherent levels in albacore. And so what we said in 2017 was that you can serve tuna, but we are recommending a very small amount. Our food safety folks tend to be more conservative. Um, than the government recommendations? Than the federal government. Yes, we do. For various reasons. And so... I actually spoke to the person who worked on that because I wasn't here during that that article. And so he said that for a child that's about five years old, 44 pounds, they recommended only 3.5 ounces weekly of canned tuna. And that in the case of babies, um, not actually feeding tuna until they're two years old. And again, it's because there's the concern of mercury or constant exposure of mercury of these children to this toxin. Now, I know that's a conservative amount and it's a small amount and it may not even be worth it to some parents for that. But again, based on our perspective that we really want to protect children from their exposure to mercury. Do you think the Tuna article 2017, five years out, we're recording this in 2022, would that be something Consumer Reports would consider redoing? Because I'd be so interested to see if that's still the case today? Have there been any significant shifts in the food supply that you think would alter that data? Or do you think it pretty much still holds constant? You know, I think it would be something that would be interested. We would be interested in looking at. Again, it depends on timing and resources that we'd have to do that research. Part of the research would be looking at the data that's out there, recent, more recent testing data actually of the tuna itself, maybe from the FDA that regulates tuna or academic sources and so on. And then revisiting whether Medical experts say that the same levels are the safest or can there be a, a movement up or down on that? So it, could be, it would be something worth looking into, yes. Okay, so Dr. Rogers, from the top 50 foods, you used a marketing firm to identify the like best-selling foods, then you said in the results you didn't find mercury. My assumption there, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that must mean you didn't test any fish-containing products because that's not like the top 50 most popular baby foods to have Well, let, fish, let's right? take a time out real quick. Just because we didn't find mercury did not mean we didn't test fish. I would have to go back okay. to the top 50 and let you know. You do know that in the article, we have a chart of all of the good, middle, bad foods that we have too. And, and so I'm going to link to that because I don't want to go through and say different brands, et cetera. But if you guys want to see this source data, that's what I love about Consumer Reports. It's like, they're not just going to write like a paragraph summary. You can dive deep into the data to see the actual foods and the brands. And I will link to that article on the show notes for this episode, which you guys can find at blwpodcast.com. 
And then the other thing I wanted to note is that you talked about that we had edited or we had revised that article. The key revision that we have is a link to some of the latest regulatory stuff. So we can talk about that too. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, and I was going to ask you, because this article that we're talking about, you guys, was originally published in 2018, I think, but then revised, which sometimes, you know, like on WebMD, revised means a doctor might have looked at it. They didn't act, they like, they looked at it to make sure it was still current. Did they actually change anything? That was going to be my next question. What was it that changed in the 2021 revision of this article and was it significant? Well, in general, we just make sure that the data is still the data. Once we publish it, the data set's locked. We don't change the data set. But if there's anything that has changed since we've published that, we will update that. And primarily on this one, we put in a link where a congressional study was done they requested the data from seven different baby food manufacturers, and this, this study is published too, to ask them from internal data, how do you test, what do you test, et cetera. And they had a couple of interesting findings, and we actually wrote an article about this, where they too found high levels of heavy metal in some of the products. But what the key that these manufacturers tend to do is they test the ingredients that are going into the baby food they don't test the final product, right? And so some of the ingredients even exceeded internal standards for too much heavy metals, but they used the ingredients anyway. So that's one thing they found. The other thing is that when they tested the ingredients or the, the end product, but they only tested the ingredients and say, well, let's do some type of calculation to say what's in the end product, they underestimated what ended up in the, in the final product. So as a result of that, that study in March of 2021, there was the Baby Food Safety Act, which was proposed, that was setting limits for these heavy metals that re- would require the FDA to set these limits, but also would require manufacturers to test final products and not just the ingredients. So that's, and we've included those links in the article. And so that was the major change that there's been some regulatory legislative movement on uh, heavy metals and babies' foods, trying to push manufacturers to actually do better. And not surprisingly, like if you look at the source documents for a lot of the baby food safety, like the staff report, for example, they cite your Consumer Reports article from 2018. And I mean, that's the way Consumer Reports is supposed to work, right? Like, do you think that they would have really gone and created the Baby Food Safety Act if there wasn't some sort of public uproar or just continuous questions. Like we've, of course, we've known about the issues with arsenic in rice. And like, again, there's many other foods that babies can safely eat as a first food. So there's lots of reasons not to do rice cereal. And you can put potential for arsenic on that list. But this larger question about testing the ingredients and not the final product, do you sometimes when you see like this legislation be like, dude, we had that idea. Like everyone's like, oh, this is such a great piece of legislation. It's like because of a really great consumer reports piece that found out that this was an actual problem. And how does that work? Like you said, Consumer Reports has an advocacy arm. 
are you there like in the ear of Amy Klobuchar being like, you need to do the Baby Food Safety Act? Or are they like, I have a good idea. Let's do a Baby Food Safety Act. Consumer Reports, what have you found? So we actually have the luck, the blessing of having Brian Ronholm, who used to be a Hill staffer and who used to work on food safety issues. And he and I were at Food Safety Inspection Service together. We're actually friends. We know each other from back then who now works for Consumer Reports and he's in charge of food advocacy. So indeed, he does have the ear of Hill Staffords. He has talked to different people about this. One of the things that we do and we would love to have consumers join us is writing letters to manufacturers, writing letters to the FDA. We have petitions on our website that consumers can join us on an advocacy write letters to your local Congress people. There are a certain number of states that are actually looking into this issue too. New York City, New York, the state of New York is one of them. And I believe there's a movement in California where the actual state legislators are taking up this fight too about making safe, nutritious baby food available to consumers. And so consumers can get engaged with us too in trying to push this issue and getting something done at the federal level. And I will link to your resources that tell parents how to get engaged at that level on the show notes as well, because I think there are certainly people in those particular states, but even at the the national level, if, if you do want to have your voice heard, this is one of the ways you can do it. And you can also have your listeners in response to this. And I haven't looked at this really deeply, but the FDA came back with something called close to zero. And what they are proposing is basically reflecting back what uh, the Safe Baby Food Act is trying to do. To me, personal opinion, again, I think it's a little bit slower of a time frame than the Safe Baby Food Act. For our audience, like if a mom, okay, ran into you at, I know your kids, you shoot almost an empty nester. So you were like, it's been a long time since I bought baby food, but you're at some sort of a social event and there's a mom. And she's thinking about buying baby food and she finds out about the report that you did with Consumer Reports. What's your takeaway recommendation for parents who are considering buying commercial baby food today in the landscape 2022 in the United States? First, they would need to do their research because, as you know, the different foods and formulations change a lot and change daily sometimes. And so, as we know that this was published in 2018, some of the things that we may have published on that were bad may not even be available again, which is good, right? There are also some manufacturers that have tried to address this. And so they would need to do their research to see if there are manufacturers out there that are making baby foods that they claim they have you know, reduced heavy metals into baby foods and they have done the testing, in-product testing, remember, not ingredient, but in-product testing to show that that's true. And then with Consumer Reports, we have something what we call on-your-mind food and nutrition questions on the website. And so they can submit questions to us about baby food. We may not have the answers if the testing data is not there, and we will say that. But if we know that there is a particular manufacturer or a different formulation or whatever, then we can try to answer their questions as to whether we know if this one, if X is better than Y, for instance. But right now, uh, it kind of relies on the consumer doing their own research, going to trusted sites such as ours, Healthy Baby Bright Futures. There's a couple more out there that actually test too. And so they will have to gather their own information. Also in our article, you know, you read it, we did talk about some of the alternatives to actually commercial baby food like if you want to make your own, 
Uh, we just did a story about frozen fruits and veggies and the food safety and nutrition of those. So if parents want to get these frozen fruits and vegetables, grind them up, heat them up to cook them a little bit and make baby food for themselves, there's that. There, we put some testing resources there. And so I think there are, if they want to buy commercial, you know, they're going to have to do some of their, their own research. But if they want to make their own, we made some recommendations about where we consulted with the total dietary survey with some other fruits and vegetables that are probably less containing um, heavy metals, such as grapes and bananas and avocado, some yogurts and all that. And so we try to give alternatives that it's not an all doom and gloom story, right? But you're going to have to do some work. You just can't assume that everything that you pick up off the shelf is safe because our testing showed that that may not be the case. The other thing is, remember, this is a chronic disease, so it's long-term too, right? And you have to consider other sources. Remember, this is a piece of the dietary puzzle. So you have the food. We've done a lot of testing on water. We've also done testing on spices. There's certain food cultures that actually use spices in baby food, lower amounts, right? But to use spices, some of our testing, we found heavy metals and spices, right? And so it's the whole environment. You know, what if you have a child that's growing up around lead paint? So this is a cumulative thing. So you have to consider all of the possible contributors to this issue. But whatever little bit that you can do to reduce their exposure is a good thing for your children. With regards to the lead, I know you said some of the products that you tested, you found it. And I think you always think about lead and lead paint. And what is it prior to 1972? Is mm -hmm. If your house had lead paint, then obviously the potential for problems in children put everything in their mouth, including paint chips. Outside of food, where else? I mean, lead, because obviously, like the other heavy metals, it can impede a child's cognitive development. Besides food and paint, where else would a baby ingest lead from? Well, water, potentially. We did a test both on bottled water and municipal water. There's some tap water that could have lead in it, right? So like parents making formula are concerned about this if you're mixing. Yes, okay. and so we advocated, for instance, in that article that especially if you're on a well, that you get your, your water tested. And then if you need it uh, filter, um, we have some recommendations for water filters in our magazine. So we're talking about environmental samples, as you said, lead, but also there was a study recently, and I, I talked to a group where if your house is positioned close to a smelter or places that recycle batteries or you know places that manufacture metal that contain lead that could be found in the air, ends up in your water, ends up in your soil too. So those are some of the major areas that we have seen where you could pick up lead also. Dr. Rogers, where can our audience go to learn more about Consumer Reports, the testing that you do, in particular the food, the water stuff, and safety for baby foods? All of our work is on our website, cr.org. And most, if not all, the food safety and water safety stuff is in front of the paywall, so it's free. You don't have to have a membership or subscribe to the magazine or anything. And then we will have links there. We will have copies of the any of the reports that we do that people can access. And we'll actually have links to other of our fellow consumer groups that um, are doing this similar work as we are. I really, really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy and you're like, this is some obscure. It's not obscure. You obviously put a ton of time into it, but it's published in 2018, but it's still valid. And I just think the entire process that you guys go through to do the testing and then make it translatable for consumers. I know that's the whole point of Consumer Reports, but it's really nice to be able to have you as a resource to talk to our parents and just tell them this is how we did it and this is why we did it. And 
Again, I'll link to everything you mentioned because there's a lot of reading involved. I mean, you guys, if you're interested in this, there's a lot of information on their site to read and specific brand products that they tested, many of which you guys have heard about and may be purchasing. The point is not to scare you, but rather just to show you that this information is out there, but you do sometimes have to look in different sources. It's not going to be on the front of the packaging on the baby food at Target. Are they going to disclose how much X, Y, or Z is in the product? So I thank you and Consumer Reports for the work you do, especially in the area of food safety. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. I'm glad to, to help you out. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Dr. James E. Rogers from Consumer Reports. I know we covered kind of a wide array of topics, not just that one Consumer Reports report, but I'm going to link to the original findings that he was discussing that has the pictures of the 50 different baby foods that they tested with the recommendations about consume or don't consume and how much to consume, as well as a number of the other research articles, the research findings, the different Consumer Reports, and then some of the legislative documents that are related to the Baby Food Safety Act of 2021 that was also mentioned in the episode. So all that stuff, if you want to read more, linked up at the show notes for this episode, which you can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 208. From the terrifying power of tornadoes to sizzling summer temperatures, AccuWeather Daily brings you the top trending weather-related story of the day, seven days a week. You can learn a lot in just a few minutes with stories about impending hurricanes, winter storms, or even what not to miss in the night sky. So listen and subscribe to AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts.